1: Good morning, and thanks for joining us today. We have a wonderful show about one of my favorite topics, and that is service dogs and canine support. And we all know how valuable that can be. And we're joined today by Kira Clark, who's the founder of Canines Serving Vets. She's a veteran herself. And we are so, we're always so happy to talk about this topic because people may not always like people, but people always love their animals. And so more often than not, let's put it that way. And I am just so tickled to talk about this topic. So thank you for being with us this morning, Kira. It's great to be with you guys. Well, we are so happy we are here. And I I should tell our listeners that your uh, Skype, we we record on Skype. Your Skype picture is a picture of a gorgeous animal. Is that your (laughs) service dog? That is Coda, my service dog. I love it. So tell me about how you came about to find that you wanted a service dog, how this process came about, because it is often a very lengthy process to obtain a dog. There are a lot of hurdles in the way. There are some questions on what kind of dog, how do you match with the dog. And we've done a number of shows on the challenges of finding the right dog for the right veteran. And those are all very important things that we'll touch on throughout this program. But talk about first how you came about getting your own dog.
2: Uh, my first service dog I got in 2003. And mm-hmm. I found her because my mother watched a documentary that found out, and she learned that veterans are having, getting service dogs to help with more things other than just um, assisting with guiding the blind and hearing mm-hmm. assistance. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got started. Um, getting CODA was nowhere near as simple as getting Sassy, my first dog. Uh, <laughs> five years. Um, wow. And it was, it was one of those everything that could go wrong went wrong. I, one organization lost my application. One decided that they would not tell me for years that they didn't have anyone to do the home visit because they have to do that to make mm-hmm. sure that okay. it's going to be the right match. Um and in all that time um I started to get really discouraged and you know got to the point where I was almost like just forget it. I you know, but I found Debbie K, Chilbrook Labradors, and, and she gave me this beautiful puppy and also helped me with training. Mm-hmm. Um okay. so that was that was a long road. Um and I went through lots of twists and turns, wrong answers, couldn't get information. And um, that was when I decided, um, I started doing small fundraisers for service dog organizations. But in doing that, I found out that there are plenty of service dog organizations. The information is not getting down to veterans. So yes. we're an information hub. That's what we do. Um, we work a bit with Leashes of Valor, and their founder describes us as the match.com.
1: Oh, I love it. <laughs> veteran service industry. <laughs> Well, you know, service dogs, there are so many considerations. I think people think, well, this is great. I I want a dog. I can figure out how to fund a dog and find the time and training. And so I'm just going to go get a dog. But the process goes from 18 months to, as you put it, five years, depending on where you go. And I know also that the type of dog, people sometimes have preconceived notions of which type of dog they want, or which organization do they want rescue dogs, do they want uh, dogs bred for exactly this purpose. There are so many considerations to take place, and I think it starts out as, I want a dog. And then you come up against all these questions. So can you start to talk about, because this will take more than one segment, on the the considerations that a veteran should have in mind to be prepared for the road ahead of obtaining a service dog and, and what are some myths and how do you bust those myths?
2: Um, Okay. I would say one prevalent myth is that service dog has to be a Labrador or golden retriever. Mm -hmm. Um, Just not true. Not at all true. Um, My first dog was a Labrador mix um, and she was a fantastic service dog. Um, but a lot of people make that assumption, and they assume that if they see someone with a service dog that happens to be a shepherd or a pit bull or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. they think, oh, well, they're lying. They just want to take their dog. <sighs> that's not true. Um, that's There are plenty of people who have uh, pit bulls as service dogs, mm-hmm. who have shepherds, who have pointers. Um, but, I know uh, a
1: Doberman. I know a Great Dane. Yeah. Uh, yep. a, a number of dogs, um, but there are considerations, you know, strength and and mobility mm-hmm. may be a need. Uh, it Everybody has a different need.
2: Yeah. It just, you know, you have to, and that's part of what we, we try to help with is, you know, getting you on that straight path instead of going around in circles, trying, trying to figure out, figure this out, because the fact is I've gone through it. So I can put off all those, you know, most of those, difficulties and let you know don't go there this is where you need to be. Um, so
1: you actually guide people to mm-hmm. find dogs. I did not know that this service even existed. I've done I, I don't know if you know I, in, I run veterancaregiver.com and we're often asked about service dogs and we have to do a lot of educating because people don't understand where to go to ask these types of questions and you and I are only talking this morning. So I'm delighted to hear that aspect because mm-hmm. that is the toughest thing going. That's why I mean, I
2: decided to do it because I came in contact with several service dog organizations, but it doesn't help veterans if they don't know how to get to those organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just not a lot of, there's not a lot of information available through the VA. Um, most veterans that I meet, they don't know the policy. They think that the VA is going to pay for the dog. Not true. Um, <laughs> right. I, right. Mean, I got one. Completely finally. not true. Right. It, absolutely. It, they assume that that's going to happen and I have to break their hearts and tell them that's not how it works. Um, I actually, not too long ago, I was at the Bay hospital and there was a man sitting next to me and he was looking at my service dog and I wasn't sure, you know, was he, is he going to be one of those people that doesn't like people bringing service dogs in? Is he, you know, what's going through his head? And he turned to me and he said, you know, I thought about getting a service dog. I asked the VA. They said that I could get one free. And then when I got to the organization, they told me, no, you can't get a dog for free. And then they told me I had to do this and this and this. He says, I wish there was just one place I could go to and ask a question and get, here's my card.
1: <laughs> Perfect. <There> you, <laughs> you know, let's bring that right up into the open because... The VAs are not always welcoming with service dogs, and there are criteria, and dispel those rules. There are rules and regs on service dogs, and I think that people are unaware of them. They think if I have a service dog, I'm ADA, I get this, 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 and this, and you can't tell me what to do, but that's not exactly right.
2: No. Um, First and foremost, the VA is not bound by the ADA. Um, Mm -hmm. They have their own... Uh, they can make their own rules. And up until maybe a few years ago, each different VA location was able to make their own rules, mm-hmm. which was chaos. It, it was, I said, So you're telling me that I have a service dog? I live in the DC area, but if I move to Nebraska, they can tell me I can't come in and get treatment with my service dog? Mm-hmm. And they said, Yes. I said, That's crazy.
1: There's no yes, other but, we, but we can't use logic sometimes when dealing I mean, with illogical you know, people.
2: I'm like, there's no other regulation in the VA that can be individually applied to each location. Oh, well, there is?
1: are a couple of others, but we don't oh. need to go into those right now. But that, that is a very important point. So how do you help guide people on what is required by VA if you want this dog to go with you? To appointments
2: I have it on our, our site actually it's on our website their policy um, okay copied it from what they sent me so that there was no you know mistaking or th- seeming that I did it um, Copied their site um, and one thing I always try to tell veterans is there are two very important first steps that if you don't take those you're gonna find yourself with, with problems
1: and let um, me give the website out right now for our listeners if they're sitting near a computer or looking at their phone. K9s nine, K with an yes. S, servingvets.org. Yes. K9s with an S, multiple K9s, servingvets.org. Yes. Okay, so the policy is there. Um, we have three minutes till a break. Can you sort of sum up the policy? Um, Yes.
2: Uh, Basically, your first step should be to get a consult from your VA physician. That is the absolute first thing you need to do. Second step, um, do your best to get a service dog organization that is ADI accredited. That's Assistance Dogs International, and they are the barometer for the VA um, this this list is the recognized list for the VA, for service dogs. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, um, then you come to us, and we find you a service dog organization that can help you. Um, we also will provide you with different um, different things that will help you as far as stores that give uh, military or veteran discounts, um, places where they can meet up with other veterans with service dogs. Um, Information on if your service dog has an emergency injury, how you can get financial assistance with that. Um, so, at, as long as you follow those first two steps,
3: mm-hmm. your
2: path will be a lot easier. Um, but I also want—I also caution all of them and let them know it can take two to five years. And I, I think I that think-
1: that's the part that is heartbreaking when you yeah. finally make a decision to do this, and there does need to be patience involved because the wait is worth it. I have seen amazing recoveries and independence and mobility increases when vets finally obtain their service animal and there's just, It gives me goosebumps, actually. It is truly worth the wait, but it's best to know this up front. We can all accept information that we don't want to hear if we understand that the mission is worth it. And so I think that that's why we're going to be utterly honest today in terms of these are the rules. There are no others. So Mm -hmm. you have to follow rules to get a driver's license. Well, you're going to have to follow the same rules to get a service animal. We are going to go on a break. We will come back very shortly and resume our conversation with Kira. Clark of Canines Serving Vets. And this information is so valuable that you can pass on to your friends, other veterans, and use yourself. So we are so happy to have this conversation today. We'll be back after these short messages. Stay with us.
0: Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these
4: short messages. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Tokenet.com. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. It's marginal. Did
3: you hear about the Ohio woman who received three speeding tickets in one hour? Three different officers had no idea that, within an hour, they had all pulled over the same woman driving random tandem down the road. She was first pulled over for speeding at 11.40 p.m. About 10 minutes later, another officer stopped her for speeding wiki-wiki again on the same road. Less than an hour later, she was pulled over for the third time. In each case, she was driving a bit ram or reckless, at more than 50 miles per hour in a 35-mile-per-hour zone. Oddly enough, she hadn't had a speeding ticket for six years. She explained each time that she just wasn't paying attention. I guess the third time wasn't a charm. What's another word for not paying attention? Robloxing. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a
1: difference. Welcome back. Kira, we were talking before the break about the steps you must take, and there are more steps that you must take. I know that in the case of some of the uh, wounded, ill, or injured veterans that I've worked with, they say, I'm not letting anybody come in my home. You know, they've got it barricaded. They have severe PTSD. There -hmm. are issues there, so that's a, a pushback. There are also families where there's a there's a perception that I, the caregiver cannot take care of one more thing. And the interesting part about everybody I know who has initially said that and then received a service dog is that my life is not harder; my life is easier. Mm-hmm. And that having someone to take care of the dog, that the veteran has a purpose again, where they maybe did not even want to get up that day or get in their wheelchair or to do whatever it is they needed to do. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, this animal, because animals have an amazing, uncanny intuition for what people need, especially well-trained ones, it makes a world of difference. So talk about some of those steps that people may not want to go through but need to and need to accept as well.
2: Um. I would say one, a question that we get also a lot is, um, can I pick my dog?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: No, you can't pick your dog. That's not the point of this exercise. Um, these organizations go through a lot to make sure they make the right, right match, and you want the right match. Without that, it, it still is not going to get you where you want to be. Um, you may love Labradors. You may love Golden Retrievers. But if this pointer... Is the best match for your living situation, your particular difficulties, your price range. Then that's who, you, that's the dog you should be with. Period. Um, people don't understand that, and they say, "Well, why you were able to get this dog? How come you could? I couldn't get this one?" And I said, "Well, they take into account the dog's personality, your personality. Mm-hmm. Like my first service dog was very calm and didn't like a lot of you know upheaval. If I lived in New York City." That would never work. Mm. All the traffic, the noise, the, no, that would never work. My dog now, CODA, <laughs> CODA can handle anything. <laughs> so,
1: um, and you and, probably and, can handle things I that think, were not yeah, possible before. Yeah,
2: it helps, it helps when your dog is confident and comfortable. And then they're going to help you be that way.
1: Now, I've now, heard I, of organizations where the dog actually chooses the human.
2: Yep, I think that's best. I think that's the best way to go
1: talk how um, that works i a few
2: organizations that i've worked with that do that um the uh one that sticks to my that comes to mind is the founder actually sat at the front of the room and the prospective clients were in there one client would come up and then they would have each dog that they had available or almost ready to come up and sit with the veteran mm-hmm. and they just and she just watched the interaction you know to see If the dog, you know, went up to the veteran and kind of, you know, put its nose on him or put his paw on him, Mm -hmm, or if mm -hmm. the dog just turned away, then they would know yes or no. And that way the dog is letting them know, hey, this is the human I feel comfortable with. I want to help this.
1: I love that. I love that because it has to be, it's a marriage. It has, it's a partnership. It has got to be a two-way street. And it's an amazing relationship that is built right from the very beginning. And trust, trust is everything with service dogs in both directions.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Talk about how that trust is built. Um, I tell people
2: sometimes when I'm out that, you know, little kids will run up behind Coda or, you know, people will walk up and just start to pet him out of nowhere um, one instance, I was in a public restroom and a woman's two children were in there and they just ran at him. Wow. And, wow. and I, you know, I was, you can't do that. And Coda was behind me. He had gone behind me like, okay, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And I, but he knew that I wasn't going to let anything happen to him. He knew that, okay, these kids are running at me. Um, mom's like, going to let this happen. So. You, you have to have that, You and you have to be able to trust your dog to let them do their job. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, again, like you said, it's a partnership. If there's no trust, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> so, and like you said, it's just, it's such a great thing to have a service dog and watch a service dog bring a veteran into the light and more, you know, independent mm-hmm, being. Mm-hmm. You got to have the right match. You want to get it right.
1: And the confidence to mm-hmm. know that, the dog has your back and you have the dog's back it's it's extremely important and when you watch the interaction between veterans and their dogs I um, am at Walter Reed a lot and it's so amazing to see the relationship build and I, I think that's the other consideration okay so you can't choose your dog Talk about how you prepare if you have difficulty for a home visit.
2: I would say, um, first of all, to d- be sure to disclose that to the service dog organization. Mm-hmm. They put a lot into making sure they're going the right down the right path for you. And mm-hmm. if you tell them that, I am confident that they will make arrangements. They will figure out what would be the most you know, productive way to get that home visit done. Um, and they're, you know, they're there to help you. So holding back is not a good idea. Tell them you're having a hard time. Tell them, you know, I am I get nervous when people come into the house. I, you mm-hmm. know, I need you to, to take some extra steps for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm sure
2: they will.
1: Now, all of the organizations that you suggest, are these specifically for veterans?
2: Uh, there are some that are, that help veterans as well as civilians. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some that only help veterans um, veterans moving forward, only as the name says, only help mm-hmm. veterans. Um, leashes of valor. they only help veterans, and I believe only post nine um, eleven veterans. Mm-hmm.
1: right. Um, there are some limitations on some of these yeah, organizations, which is why some- you as a, a clearinghouse can guide them in the right direction. so there's not <laughs> a lot of wasted energy. is that true?
3: yes,
2: yes. it's um, there are some organizations that have uh, they have created specific programs for veterans, Mm -hmm. needs, needs service dogs for one. They have a specific veteran program, um, CCI canine campaigns for independence. They have a specific Mm -hmm. program and -hmm. they also help civilians. Um, so yeah, there are some that only help veterans, but you know, there's, there's plenty of people out there that want to help veterans. So
1: um,
2: if they're not helping veterans, they'll make a way to help them.
1: I love that. Now, as you, you've alluded to a couple of times, the cost so, what is the average cost and considerations for a service dog? Because they have to be fed, they have to go to the vets. You said there are organizations that will help them with the veteran visits, uh, vet, veterinarian visits. But what is the average, and, and don't quote us on this because it'll vary per organization. Mm-hmm. What is the average cost for a service dog?
2: Um, first I'll say there are plenty of organizations that get veteran service dogs for free. Um, there are some that charge a small cost, some that charge a large cost. Okay. But the, the basic price tag for training a service dog is going to be between forty dollars and $60,000. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what most veterans say. What?
1: <laughs> and no, I knew that it, it's, it's that I think that, you know, saying the number out loud is Shocking, and this is why there is a cost, and this is why there is close training, and continued training, and matching, and you know, honestly, the upkeep of an animal for special purposes requires special care, mm-hmm.
2: and that is not cheap. That's mm-hmm. you know, and that's one of the factors that they look that service star organizations look at: can you handle this financially? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a veteran who has received your physician's um, consult and you've gone through all those steps and you are with an ADI accredited organization, mm-hmm. the VA provides a veterinary insurance plan through Trupanion. But you have to have followed those steps. That's why I say how crucial those first two steps are. Because you when can't you say that. a veteran
1: insurance plan, is that for the dog?
2: Yes, it's a veterinary insurance plan through Trupanion. And okay. basically what I did was I... I got enrolled in the program. I got my card. I take my. I took my card to my veterinarian. They keep it in their file. Whenever I take Coda in for a visit, I'm given a receipt. But they send that receipt to Truepanion and within 48 hours, they're paid. Oh,
1: that's better than VA care. I, I tell people that I'm like you have better insurance than I do. <laughs> yeah, well, that is often the case, I'm afraid these days. Um, but we we love our animals. <laughs> probably as much as we love our family members they are our family members but that but that's important to know and there are organizations that do charge and they do it often for a reason because if you have skin in the game so to speak that is also an important component you know free sometimes has little value and so i i think that People are understanding that maybe they have to pay to feed the dog afterward and that kind of thing, yes. but having an upfront payment isn't necessarily a reason to turn down that organization. You don't necessarily need to get your dog for free. Mm-hmm. It may be a smaller payment or a larger payment, but that's a choice you make. Correct.
2: Yes, it is. Um, the, you know, some organizations charge five thousand, some charge seven, some charge twenty um but you're right um as far as having skin in the game it's a lot of organizations they will require the veteran to do fundraising and they require that because one it gets their name out there so that they can help other veterans know where to go two it helps to pay it forward to the next veteran which,
1: um, which is a very good concept for i Patrick think that's great. Carry forward i i love that and usually you don't hear any pushback on that at all yeah
2: i think that's great um we have a very small application fee for us um, to start to help a veteran. But I have gotten pushback on that. Um, I actually asked a veteran, do you think this is fair? Do you think this is a good a good number? And it's $25. And he actually said to me, I'd pay you $100 so that I didn't have to deal with the VA.
1: Oh, that's a great answer. The, the funny part is, though, I, I think you're smart to do that. People... There's been a pendulum swing. At first, there was a lot of gratitude for veteran services, and then the pendulum swung to, you owe me. And it's swinging back into the middle. And Mm -hmm. I'm grateful to see that because all the organizations that want to help veterans, 99% of them, are doing it because it's a calling not because it's a money maker mm-hmm. and so i think that that is important to have an understanding and a fee and and part of this get in the game so we're going on a second break and we're going to come back after the break and talk about family involvement and what is the decision the family makes and the considerations that they think about and the benefits to the family and any drawbacks that may come to mind. We're we'll continuing our conversation with Kira Clark of Canine Serving Vets, and we'll be back after this short break. Don't go away, this information is invaluable. We'll be right back.
0: We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
4: Welcome to TogiNet, cutting edge radio. It's Marching
3: July is National Ice Cream Month, as if we needed a reason to celebrate ice cream. Would you believe the average American eats 45.8 pints of ice cream a year? Here's the scoop on some ice cream lingo. In Pennsylvania, the paper cone used to hold ice cream is called a tut. Sprinkles or jimmies on top of ice cream are called ants in California and outsiders and logs in Vermont. The world record for ice cream eating is 1.75 gallons in eight minutes. Oh, I feel a brain freeze coming on. What's another word for brain freeze? and the Palatine Ganglia Neuralgia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. Welcome
0: back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome back. We are going to continue our discussion on canines serving vets. And I mentioned that we would talk about the family involvement in working with a lot of wounded, ill, and injured who are considering dogs. The family members have often said, I I can't handle one more thing. You know, caregivers have their hands full. They may have children as well, or even elderly parents they're also looking out for. I mean, we have multi-generational households but remotely these days that we're having to look out for. What I have found, however, is that the addition of a dog is so much a plus in the family that all of those initial worries fell away. So when a a veteran and their family member comes to you, and and oftentimes I imagine it's the spouse making the initial call, finding out information. um, What, What do you kind of interact with them about, you know, what their perceptions are, what their myths may be, what their thoughts are? How does that application process begin?
2: Um, You're right. There are several times that the spouse will be the one reaching out saying, hey, will will, will this help? You know, my wife, my husband. Um, And that is true because with me, um, I'm single. My mother, though, my mother and my friends. They, I, I saw sort of a sigh of relief from them when <laughs> I got my first service dog. It was Good. like, okay, so I don't have to be on guard all the time. I don't have to be, you know, worried all the time. I don't have to keep, you know, of course they check in, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, a, it's a, it didn't become an everyday all the time, you know, 24-7, um, because they knew that my service dog had me. Well, you know it's the knew.
1: independence factor that you mentioned yeah. earlier.
2: That's I wasn't going. It was nothing for me to leave, not to leave the house for ten days. And, and then it got to well, I have to go out. She has to go to the bathroom,
1: <laughs> so I have to go well, out. Well, a dog forces you out. A dog forces yeah. you to take walks and give them exercise, and, and it 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 you to other people with dogs so that right you know, that whole process. It really does. Now this is a random question, but I often see far more service men with dogs than service women.
2: I, yeah, I guess that is true. Um, I'm starting to meet more females, but that is, I would say that's true. You see more men with service dogs than women. Um, I one thing I I one of the things I like to try to prepare people for um, is the attention that you're going to get when you are out with a service dog. Good point. And right. I know that when I first got my first service dog, it was. It was kind of shocking to me, the amount of people that would come up to me and point at me. And uh, and it was, you know, before, no one knew anything was going on. Now I have this 70-pound appendage. People don't know what's <laughs> going on, but they know something's happening, you know. And so it was like, oh, God. And I that's one thing that always comes to mind with me is, you know, you got these these big burly guys that are getting out of the military, and they have a service dog. And, you know, military, we're not exactly known for, you know, oh, can you help me? We're not exactly known uh, for No,
1: that. the culture does not promote See, that. Yeah.
2: And so now you got this big, huge guy that has gone through insurmountable things, has a service dog with him, and people are now looking at him. And he's like, okay, why, why, people are staring at me. I'm uncomfortable. I, you know? And so I do try to um, prepare them for that. Um and, that's and I think very
1: that's interesting. Good. I have never heard someone mention that, but you are correct. And I think people are better educated these days to know you don't pet a service dog. You <laughs> you approach slowly to talk to the owner, um, or you keep your distance. All you of know. the above, I'm <laughs> sure. But yeah, sir, it sorry. is it is interesting because you're right. <laughs> um but in many ways that helps those with invisible injuries because otherwise people don't understand and it can be very daunting especially in crowds etc but mm-hmm. with the service dog it's automatically a plus by yeah. your head i think uh, but yet i can understand how you say the attention would be
2: yes yeah, kind of uncommon
1: if you're not used to it yeah
2: it's overwhelming especially when you're first starting out with the service dog you know you just don't I You know, you have you, people tell me all the time, I wish I could take my dog everywhere. And I tell them, no, you don't. You don't wish that. Trust me, you don't. You you have to have doggy poop bags everywhere. You have to make sure you don't <laughs> park in the sun. You have to make sure you always have water. You have to make sure you look out for that kid that's running up from behind. You have to deal with, you can't bring a dog in here. You, you don't want to do this. Trust me, you don't want to do this.
1: How do people react to that comment?
2: I Well, <laughs> they're just like, well, but it just seems like And I said, I know it seems great. We all love our pets. We all want to, you know, be able to be around our pets all the time. But, you know, you have to step back and realize that Coda is with me for a reason. Mm -hmm. And that is why, like you were saying, the give and take and the responsibility. That is why, to me now, it is is just second nature to, to make sure that I have water, to make sure I have a dish, to make sure I have a towel in case anything happens, to make sure that I'm, you know, watching out for him. People, when you're out rolling shopping carts, they may not Mm. see your dog. It's your job to make sure you know where your dog is. Um, You you know, and, and other things now, especially watching out for other dogs. That is now, unfortunately, a must. You have to watch out for other dogs now because there are so many people claiming their dogs are service dogs and the dog has no training. So you have to, that's another layer now of protection you have to provide for your service dog.
1: And that's with the advent of greater numbers of service dogs. There are a lot of people who are, I mean, I've met them on airplanes, and they are companion dogs. Nothing wrong with that. However, it's very different because the certifications are not the same. And, And that's why it was what you were talking about earlier is, is dogs that are not certified that are now causing a problem.
2: They are causing major problems. It is um Tell, talk support. more about that. Emotional support animals, as you said, they're great. They're mm-hmm. fantastic. They you know, they help people to deal with anxiety or help calm mm-hmm. them down. They are not service dogs.
1: Mm-hmm. They're
2: not they, emotional support animals are not required to have one day of training.
1: Therefore, Seriously. Get
2: them out, and but then they're, they're
1: allowed they- on airplanes.
2: They're, they are, and once again, people don't know this. Airlines are not, are not bound by the ADA. They make, own, okay. they make their own set of rules. Um, and they are, that's why they're having, to, in my opinion, that's why they're having a lot of problems is because they're allowing emotional support animals. Um, and I, me personally, you're trapped in a tin can with, with this right. dog that has no training. Correct. I, so if he goes to the bathroom in the middle of the aisle, what are you going to do? you can't go outside. What are you going to do? I mean, you- right, right. so, um, yeah, I've had Coda has almost been attacked twice now.
1: That's not good. Yeah. Uh, on a happier note, I do know that more and more airports are providing relief spots for animals with yeah. special turf and, and, you know, dog friendly, yeah. um, what I don't know what you call it, dog friendly conditions because there are a greater number of service animals yeah. and, and veterans and, That's interesting to have watched that evolve because years ago you watched smokers rooms and now those are gone. And this seems like a a much healthier, much needed improvement. My Mm -hmm. opinion. Yes.
2: um, And that's, they started doing that um, back when I had my first service dog, they started putting in the the turf and the pet Mm -hmm. stations, Mm -hmm. um, which is great. And that's, you know, That's another thing that I would tell veterans, you know, that's there for a reason. If Mm -hmm. you are taking a flight with your service dog, take your dog to the bathroom before you get on the plane. Right. And as close to the time as you can. Mm -hmm. That way you Mm -hmm. can have much more confidence that they're going to be okay through the flight and not have to go. So that's great that they've started doing that. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's relatively new. It's it's not you know, immediately new, and it's not everywhere yet, No, but it is increasing in terms of other support. So as you're talking about, what are the positives and negatives that come with being a service dog handler? I imagine it's the attention, you know, is one thing that you're not used to.
4: Mm-hmm. Being
1: fully prepared is another, although I would venture to tell you that having that responsibility actually gives purpose. You know, I have something to look after. I have a comrade. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's two sides to every one of these requirements. But the positives seem to vastly outweigh the negatives.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, You know, and protecting your dog, it does give you, it gives you, you know, a reason, something to care for. Um, And it also... I say um it it puts you in a position where you have another relationship that is on a level you're not going to have with the human it's i mean i i tell people that you know my my dog's name is coda um his full name is lakota but his 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 uh call name is coda and coda mm-hmm. in indian two language means ally friend companion oh, that's why it. i chose it i that's why i chose that name um because you are that's that's your lifeline. When you have a service dog, that that's a bond that no one else can can you can't replace that. You can't have that with a human and you can't have that with another dog. You and your service dog build a, you know, a relationship that's unbeatable.
1: And that that sums up exactly why people are seeking service dogs and and why it's so important because my belief has always been that pets provide unconditional love support they don't rat on you they will never <laughs> break confidences i i often feel that pets are the are, are just something that is just a heart heart shaped object and they are just amazing in terms of the confidentiality you can tell that dog anything and they're never going to break HIPAA. <laughs> it's it's just, well, uh, you laugh, but I think it's actually very, very important as, as psychological support and grief support. And they're taking the um, service animals, not not veterans perhaps, but into children's hospitals. And mm-hmm. there's just connections that can be built that are unlike any other. Let's talk briefly about those who are, taking on, not the emotional support animals so much, but those who want the shortcut. They want a faster dog. They want to say they have a service dog and, and, and what that looks like. Um,
2: yeah, you have people who are, you know, they think that because they've taught their dog to sit, stay, come that, um, and because they make them feel better that they're a service dog. Um, No, service dogs are trained to do something, you know, that's why the whole thing with emotional support animals, people say, well, what's the difference? I like to say a service dog provides a service.
0: Mm -hmm. If a dog
2: is not performing a task, it's not a service dog. So you may have taught your dog to do a few things and he makes you feel better. That doesn't make him a service dog. Um, And when you get that happening is where you also get into the situations where you can have a dog attack a service dog because they haven't had the training the socialization and the things that go into making a service dog
1: the discipline
2: yes there i mean there's people don't really understand when i tell them 18 to 24 months to train a service dog and they're kind of like what why does it take so long because from, from from days old these dogs are socialized with kids with water with noise with places mm-hmm. they're socialized mm-hmm. with all that they're taken to football games they're taken to concerts they you know they do all of this so that the dog won't get rattled in certain situations, won't you know uh, act out in certain situations because they're comfortable with it. They know the, they know the terrain and they're good. But if you haven't put your dog and, and set them up for success, and that's not you know you can't just say your dog's a service dog.
1: No, and and it it it, it is not fair to the dog. It is not fair to the human. And we will continue this discussion after our last break. Stay with us. We'll be right back talking about service dogs today.
0: We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after
4: these short messages. There's more living for you to do. Yes. Start living inspired. Be
3: Traditions vary around the world. Citizens of Finland visit the sauna on Christmas Eve and listen to the national piece of Christmas radio broadcast. Norway is the birthplace of the Yule log cake, and in Greece, many people believe in goblins that cause mischief during the 12 days of Christmas. Captain John Smith drank the first eggnog in his 1607 Jamestown settlement. Nog comes from the word grog, which refers to any drink made with rum. Since Christmas arrives in Australia in the middle of summer, Jingbangs or crowds of Aussies celebrate at the beach with beer and Skittles. This is the time each year where we have to climb up to the sky parlor or attic to fetch our Christmas lights. What's the word for decorating till we're about to collapse? Flip-flop us. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome back on the break. I wish you could hear these breaks sometimes because I, I think that the discussions are really good, so we'll try and reenact it. We were talking about the fact that it's very important to know what service dogs can be trained to do. And there's a wide spread of these services that can be done. And I imagine with specialized care and training, it takes even longer. But there are dogs that are seizure sensing. Um, There are PTSD dogs, uh, those with TBI, uh, panic disorders, anxiety disorders, and even diabetes and other conditions, medical conditions. And Kara, can you speak about that? Because when someone talks to you about what they need, They may not even know that that is available, but it would be a huge relief to the family and the veteran to know that there could be another safety net for them.
2: Yes. Yes, you you mentioned PTSD dogs. PTSD dogs, um, they're trained to do things like provide a barrier so that people don't get too close to the person. Mm -hmm. Um, They're trained to alert their, their person if someone is getting too close. Um, there are certain commands that they come up with that are specifically for PTSD dogs. One is um, cover me. And the dog is, a heel is when the dog is at your left facing forward. Mm-hmm. Cover me is when the dog is at your left, they turn around so that they, they can see if someone's getting too close. And they can touch you with their nose and basically, hey, just okay, mm-hmm. chill out, someone's coming. Um, you know, um, mobility dogs have to be at least 50 pounds because how are they going to help you if they're small? Right. They they can't help you with mobility. Um, There are some organizations. I came across one that specifically breeds and trains Great Danes for mobility, Mm -hmm. which makes absolute sense.
1: (laughs) Well, and the pit bulls as well, because pits are so strong. Yeah,
2: yeah. I had a guy in a class I was in that had a pit bull, and um, his name was Joker. He was the most adorable little (laughs) thing. Oh, my gosh. He would just look up at his hand or like, you're the best. (laughs) <laughs> so cute. Um, well,
1: I happen to love pits, and they're often the yeah. best-trained dogs because you're not given a lot of room as a pit bull. You, you, you have got to behave and be well-trained. Yeah. But they're very strong, and they are so loyal.
2: They are incredibly loyal. Um, they, um, it, Coda's breeder trains diabetic alert dogs. Okay, she, um, is, she has decades of experience in scent detection, um, and she uses um, a piece of rolled gauze, that the uh, she works mostly with children, mm-hmm. um, and that will they will use the gauze and put it in their mouth and basically make samples mm-hmm. uh, for the dog to use to train, and that way the dog gets he gets accustomed to a different scent that means the child's sugar has
3: dropped mm-hmm.
2: and trying to go get the parent. Um, what else? Seizures. Seizures. Seizure. There are seizure alert dogs and seizure response dogs. Seizure alert dogs um, have the capability to. Set, they can smell the different changes in your chemical excre- excretions. Mm-hmm. Like they, can, if they can smell that, they will be able to alert you and tell you. Seizure response dogs respond when you've had a seizure. Um, if you had a seizure, your dog can be trained to lower you to the floor so you don't hurt yourself. Your dog can wow. be trained to block off people from that they. You know, be trying to help, but, you know, people try to help, but sometimes with seizures, they're not helping. you got to get um, out of
1: the way, they, right?
2: You, you can't hold the person down because um, both of you are going to get hurt if you do that. Um, so, yeah, they, um, there's, there's so many different types of dogs um, that they're trained to open doors. They're trained to pick up dropped items. They're mm-hmm. trained to get something from the refrigerator. They're trained to go get the veteran's medication. Um, there are so many things that the dogs can be trained to do.
1: But I think it's helpful to our listeners to hear what is possible oh, yes. because I think that, you know, maybe initially they don't have quite this much information, but more and more animals, first of all, they're just so coachable when they're chosen to do this work and they're trained so well. Mm-hmm. But the more you know that a dog can help you, it really does help to make family members understand that, this is not going to be more work. This is actually going to be a relief and a help and independence and the mobility thing. In terms of a traumatic brain injury, a lot of the same things that you're talking about in terms of barriers and alerts, et cetera, because along with that is usually PTSD or anxiety Um, and the seizures. Exactly. It depends on if it was a penetrating you have higher risk so there's a lot of things that these animals can do that is truly amazing if you stop mm-hmm. to think about it there anything come to mind that i haven't mentioned in terms of um, specialty things that dogs can do that our vets may not have thought of or considered before mm, um, i think we I was-
2: hit most of them yeah we i think we did um i think As many people know, that um, for a person with PTSD who may be having a flashback, who may just Mm -hmm. be getting worked up, um, a lot of dogs are taught the my lap command. Mm -hmm. And it's basically when they see their veteran or sense their veteran is getting a little high strength, they jump up and put their paws in the veteran's lap. And that's basically to break the cycle because Mm -hmm. it forces the veteran to touch the dog and have to pet the dog and that and as you were saying our, our pets just they make us you know feel at ease and just by doing that they're petting the dog and that's bringing them back
1: and you have to break that cycle i mean you you tell yeah. that to people but it's much easier when you have an outside force that senses it and does it for mm-hmm. you boy do you feel like that dog has your back at that right, point. Yeah, exactly
2: you feel like oh okay all right i'm good
1: well and there's much more confidence in the fact that you're not going to lose control. You're not going to do something that's mm-hmm. disruptive, and that it will really truly help you. I want to make sure our listeners know where to find out more information about your service, Kira, and the website again is K K N K Nine S Serving Vets dot org. K Nines Serving Vets dot org. And, here you want to talk a little bit more about the organizations you work with and, and what you're finding for each person.
2: Yes, we're um, we're working with several organizations right now, and what we're trying to do is on our website we want to include service dogs from all these organizations and teams, um, the handler and the service dog, because that helps us to for people to come to our site and say, oh, well, you know, I saw CCI on their website. They must, you know, they must be legit because there are a lot of organizations out there who claim they're training service dogs and they're mm-hmm. not. Um, so this that's our way of putting out there, okay, this is CCI, we trust them. This is veterans moving forward, we trust them. This is Leashes of Valor, we trust them. So um, that's, a, that's one way that they can get that information. And we have a client right now that we're helping and I basically have the client to fill out our application. I talk with them and then I reach out to the organizations I think can best help them. Um, and it's not uh, like you're. It's not always going to be the first one. Mm-hmm. I, the organization I went to, and they said, "Well, I don't think so. I think you'd be better finding an organization that has blah blah blah." You know, it's so, and that. But that way, I'm doing it. My volunteers are doing it. The veteran mm-hmm. is not running circles trying to figure out how to make this work
1: and not uh, get discouraged as you did. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, you're helping them to avoid the pitfalls that you fell into because I'm, I'm things bad. can happen where. Well, I'm sorry. Every time I think of applications being lost, I think of a different organization, a very large one with two initials. Oh. <laughs> um, but at any rate, it, it is important. So when people come to you, the more information that they know, does that make it easier to work with them?
2: Yes, it does. Um, I, I have created a client info package that has everything I can think of that, that I would have needed when I started. Um, places you can get discounts. Um, preparing your service dog for if something happens to you and you're incapacitated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, places that you can go and get help. Places to help you deal with if you're discriminated against. Um, that that whole package is just you know things that I've dealt with and I'm like, okay, this is something that's going to happen. This is something that they might ask about. Um,
1: well, I also to believe too that a veteran helping other veterans gives you enormous credibility. And you've been there, you've done this, and you have created this clearinghouse of being able to assist vets. And this can be a really tough process because mm. with the time thing, people often want to cut corners. Yes. And and yeah. you understand why they want to, but Definitely. in the end, that is not a plus for exactly. either dog yeah. nor veteran. Mm-mm. That's, um, and a lot of people do,
2: organizations use rescue dogs Um. And everyone has their opinion on that. For me, I think rescue dogs are the exception, not the rule. Um, you don't know what a rescue dog has been through. Mm-hmm. And, but I had a situation recently where I was able to show people why it costs so much, even with a rescue dog. I actually rescued a dog. I found a dog on the highway. Mm-hmm. And me being me, I'm, I sat on the highway for about three hours, literally on the ground to get this Aww. dog. Um, um, took me three hours. I got her. She displayed some um, behavior that I thought would make her a service dog, and so we worked with her. I calculated everything, the food, the vet care, the things we needed to buy, the gas to take her to train. I calculated everything. 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 It came to $49,500, and she was a rescue.
4: Mm.
2: So when people say, it doesn't cost that much, yeah, it does.
1: (laughs) It does. Yes, it does. It does. (laughs) And and the training is so specialized, and it's not (laughs) as if people come – fully trained <clears throat> excuse me you know are, are a trainer right away it takes time yeah. to become a very good yeah. trainer
2: and that's another thing they have to be paid to train they have to go to right um, you know refresher courses they train um protocols change they have to be kept updated all that mm-hmm. costs money so- well
1: and i think people do understand that it it's just it, sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow when you've come so long and finally decided I want a service dog. And yeah. then you find out it's costly. It's time consuming. Mm-hmm. There's home visits. There's all these things. But once again, I've got to say, it has been my experience. That it's so worth it.
2: Mm-hmm. It is. Absolutely.
1: So anything else you'd like to add that we maybe didn't touch on today? One thing there's, I would yes, really
2: like to touch on is um, businesses. Okay. Um Coda's breeder, Debbie K., she used to give uh, a seminar to businesses on what their rights are. Because I think businesses are in a really bad situation right now with all the people mm-hmm. that are lying, bringing in fake service dogs. And they don't know that they have responsibilities, but they also have rights. It, you know, you are not. A, I see someone come into a grocery store that I go to and she brings her dog in and puts her dog in the cart. Okay, first of all, ugh. Right, your right, should not be where people's apples go. That's no. (laughs) Um, But so talk to
1: educate businesses is what
2: you're saying. And they're, but they're afraid they're going to get sued. And so I really want them to understand you are just read the ADA.gov. You are not obligated to because they have to sanitize the cart when she leaves. That is totally not their responsibility. Of course.
1: I'm so sorry we are out of time, but Kira, I want to thank you so much for coming on today and providing such incredibly valuable information. This is a tough topic for people to understand fully because it is complex, but please listen to the show and go to Kira's website, caninesservingvets.org. Thanks for listening today.
0: Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance...